0: Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Mark White, and today I will be discussing vectors. What are they, and why you should use them. In our clinical language, a vector is defined as a force that acts out of the primary plane of movement. It is adjunctive to a movement, with the movement itself being the key ingredient of the rehabilitation effort. The vector is used to stimulate a reaction that aids or supports the targeted movement intervention. It is something that enables optimal biomechanics with movements that might not otherwise occur. It does this in several ways. One main way is the introduction of a neurological stimulus that causes reactive contractions in the targeted muscles that are reacting to the force imposed by the vector. So what does that mean? Well, to put it more simply, it means that when we apply a force to the body, a reaction occurs. And we can do this strategically in such a way that we get a beneficial reaction as opposed to one that is harmful. And some examples will help illustrate the concept. If we have a patient who has a problem with their knee, and they're doing a squat, for example, or a leg press, and they'll have a stereotypical medial collapse with internal rotation of the femur, and that causes a twisting motion at the knee, that causes some pain. If they're able to maintain external rotation and abduction at the hip, then they're able to perform pain-free. You'll see this commonly in patients who have uh, classically described maltracking patellofemoral problems. And you'll see this also in patients who have knee osteoarthritis. There's a variety of pathological conditions where you will see this expressed over and over again. So, again, the fix, too, is have the patient execute external rotation and slight abduction so that the knee is moving out instead of in as they perform the squat and the leg press. And then they can do it pain-free or at least with reduced pain. Now, if they cannot generate the force intrinsically, then we apply something extrinsically, that is a vector. So we'll place the vector typically as a theraband above the knee, and we can go below the knee if we need to generate more torque with a lighter band. Then we direct the force of that band medially. This gives them a force to react to. And that's a lot of times easier for a patient to accomplish than us simply telling them and verbally and tactilely cueing them to maintain a certain angular position of the leg while they execute the squat. So this does two things. One is the patient can feel the force and they are reacting to it. And the second thing that it does is it allows us to measure the actual amount of force that we are using and determine when we can wean off, or maybe we need to use more force to stimulate the reaction. The point is that we can measure it, and because it's measurable, it's something we can document. It's objective. Now a couple more examples to help illustrate the use of vectors. If we have a patient who hurts when they flex their shoulder, then we might use a vector in the following way. We can wrap a theraband around their pelvis. We can create a pull that generates some torque in the pelvis relative to the spine, they have to counteract that force. This creates a stabilizing reaction on up the kinetic chain that helps the spine remain more stable, and the patient flexes their shoulder. Now they can move farther without hurting, or at least without hurting as much, and the phenomenon that's observed there is thought to be based on the uh, stabilization effect of the counter rotation of the pelvic torque, and we've used this in a number of cases where we needed some other way to get at a stabilizing reaction that will help generate the platform off of which the scapulothoracic muscles need to work so that the rotator cuff muscles can perform their job more efficiently and enable the movement. This really helps illustrate the idea of regional interdependence. And when these techniques are deployed remote to the area of concern, and it has direct benefit for the area of concern that I think we can make a pretty good argument that that is what's happening. I'll leave you with a final example. This is one where we're not using a TheraBand or tubing or some other mechanistic device like that. Instead, if we have a patient who has an ankle sprain or an ankle instability, and we need to recruit more contractile elements that are actively working to stabilize the joint, we may want to bias that joint at something near in range where they have problems at their critical angle. Well, a solution to that then is to put them on an angled platform while they execute some other movement. And we'll put a wedge under their foot that may bias them into supination, for example, and then ask them to do some work. If they're able to do that work at in range, well the vector here In this usage is the ground reaction force coming up and acting through the joint. That line of action relative to the angle of the joint creates the vector because we can resolve that down into the X, Y vector components, for example, X, Y, and Z in three-dimensional space, but typically we're looking in a plane of motion. Well, we can resolve it down to those vector components. Our vector comes out of this by way of the component forces that are acting out of the primary Plane of movement. The main takeaways from today's talk are as follows. There are three with some subparts. First, a vector is a force that acts out of the primary plane of movement. Second, the purpose of a vector is to stimulate a reaction that aids motor performance of joint motion. Third, this action may occur through at least three mechanisms recruitment of stabilizing muscle contractions enabling specific force dissipation, thus unloading the damaged structure or structures, or altering neurological feedback that interferes with pain signaling. So, it could be any or all of these things. That concludes our talk for now. Thanks for listening. And, as always, may you and your patients be well. That's all for today.